You're on a retro trek with the Caramel Apples podcast, a podcast that celebrates all things 70s and 80s pop culture and explores how this fond nostalgia affects our lives. Each week, we travel back in time to embark on the Nexus to revisit retro segments that ingrained itself into our culture and our hearts. This week is no different, where we'll be discussing the awesome time to be had in the relatable 80s comedy film, License to Drive. Now, here's your host, Kennedy Rizzo and Cooper Lee. good movies coop i mean good 80s movies uh-huh. one can't help but think of the wonderful heartwarming classic license to drive <laughs> starring Corey haim and Corey feldman and directed by greg beeman in his feature film directorial debut ah uh, yeah as you just mentioned it stars Corey <laughs> haim oh here we go yes okay <laughs> okay she gets to get some ribbing here <laughs> yeah so Corey haim Corey Feldman, Heather Graham, Carol Kane, Richard Masur, Michael Minisieri, and Nina Simasco. Okay. So this movie doesn't rely on realism or true life accuracy or anything like that. <laughs> License to Drive is just lighthearted fun that will have you laughing out loud. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really cute movie. It is. <laughs> So our star protagonist teen decides to go for a night on the town with his friends despite flunking his driver's test. <laughs> I don't know. You just said that there's not true life accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of a true thing. That was a true thing. By <laughs> there's a hint of real. <laughs> yeah. For myself. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> License to Drive was one of those 80s flicks that I had always adored due to being knee-deep in nostalgia and we could watch this on repeat. And why is this, Cooper? <laughs> well, um, it's because the two Corys enter naturally. That's right, that's right. <laughs> but also, too, due to another reason being that one of my youth crushes... <laughs> I, I don't think I've given anything away just yet, have I? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Corey Haim was it. Uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> yep. She's on blast. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, those dimples and that, that charming face. <laughs> oh. Plug your ears on, puppy hub. So the two Corys starred in this lovable film at the height of both of the Corys' careers. Mm-hmm. Um, while they were both still in high school. And the film captures their youthful spirit perfectly. It really did. A fun fact. Did you know that neither Corey Feldman nor Corey Haim had a driver's license when filming started? That's <laughs> <laughs> so neat. <laughs> but it was neat to learn that Corey Haim was in the process of getting his license during filming. That's better. Yeah, so talk about something being ironic. <laughs> Much agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Man, sounds like the initial casting of License to Drive was a bit of 
a gamble, perhaps. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> Quite simply, dear listeners, if you are a fan of the 80s and or love your nostalgia, then this film is for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even explain it in words. Like, this is just one of them things. It's like, oh, yeah, that's it. Like you said, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Typical 80s groove, lingo, the music. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. We'll get into the shining details as we deep dive into our Carmelicious discussion this week. This film is a prime example from back when readily showcased teen themed angst and adventure was classic. Yeah, great. So, okay, let's get started. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, we have Southern California teenager Les Anderson attempting to get his driver's license in order to impress his crush, beautiful Mercedes Lane. <laughs> that is such an 80s classic too name. Oh, yeah. yeah, Mercedes. That's it. Um, so as you recall, Les, you know, he fails the knowledge portion of the exam, <laughs> but inadvertently causes a computer surge. Oh, so enjoy this movie. <laughs> yes. So the film starts off breezily as he tries to pass the test, and gets his license. Yay, way to go. His twin sister sails through the theory test. He does not. <laughs> <laughs> Nina Simasco is hilarious as Les's uptight sister. Uh-oh. <laughs> and to add insult to injury, his twin sister gets a super nice examiner <laughs> for the practical <laughs> part of the test. Les gets a far different outcome. Boy, does he. <laughs> 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 Fun fact. So when Les is taking his driver's test, the song playing in the background is Jazzy's In the House, written and performed by DJ Jazzy Jeff, Jeff A. Towns, and the Fresh Prince, Will Smith. Oh, I remember this. Okay, yeah, that that that's what made it kind of the movie too, like songs. They sure. didn't use in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you get what's popular of the day. You're automatically yes. in that time frame. That's it. That's you, it. You captured that sound. <laughs> and James Avery, who plays Les's uh, DMV examiner, would later co-star with Will Smith and Jeff Towns in the sitcom Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. James Avery, a.k.a. Uncle Phil, <laughs> from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, <laughs> who is gruff, takes him on difficult roads. <laughs> this is great. He puts a cup of hot coffee on the dashboard, which Corey, excuse me, <laughs> Les, better not spill. <laughs> okay, quote. So this is, uh, this is the uh, Uncle Phil. <laughs> He's the driving instructor. He goes. Now, Anderson, I want you to take a good look at my cup of coffee. Now, I love my coffee. It's probably the only thing I cherish on this godforsaken mud ball course. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, Anderson, is that most examiners rely on this clipboard. He throws the clipboard out the window. <laughs> we have to PG this. He goes, I don't believe in that crap. <laughs> What I do believe is in my cup of coffee. Now, this coffee is hot. If it falls on me, it'll probably burn me, right? Speak up, son. <laughs> Wes goes, yes, yes. <laughs> Examiner. And nobody likes to get burned, now do they? Wes, no, no. <laughs> Uncle Phil. So it's simple. 
You burn me, you fail. You don't, you pass. <laughs> <laughs> we need to pop this gym in. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, this is a good flick. Pure innocent stupidity. I don't know. It really is. And you talk about pressure. <laughs> He's probably like, clipboard, please come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good job quoting there. <laughs> so Les gets super fortunate when Les's failing marks are thought to be irretrievable. But the Department of Motor Vehicles lets him pass the exam after comparing him to his twin sister's high marks as aforementioned. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, Les eventually passes the road test, but his real test scores are finally retrieved and his license is revoked. <laughs> <laughs> and as we figured it, due to his being overconfident, it is of no surprise that he flunks the exam. Less! <laughs> <laughs> but he figures no one would notice. So he lies to his folks and friends about the whole thing, expecting everything will be smooth sailing until he can retake the exam. Oh, well, now we have arrived at our problem. <laughs> This is true. Les tries concealing the truth from his parents, but his mother finds out the truth wadded up in his laundry, and his father grounds him for two weeks. Oh, grounding's a very 80s thing. It most certainly is. You're grounded. <laughs> so Les is honored, though. He just doesn't know when to quit while he's ahead. And decides right then and there that he's not going to let this little matter inconvenience him. <laughs> After all, he has a Friday night date with his dream girl Mercedes Lane, played by the talented Heather Graham. <laughs> right. So Les had previously made plans to drive his grandfather's prized Cadillac sedan to Bill. And decides to sneak away anyway for a joyride with Mercedes. Here we go. Yes. That's his brilliant plan. <laughs> that is a teenage boy right there. Yes. Mistakes are waiting to happen. Definitely. It's <laughs> a fun fact. As mentioned by Les Anderson early in the movie, the Cadillac actually was 16 years old at the time of filming. Okay. And it was, in actuality, a 1972 model sedan DeVille. Okay. <laughs> Nine Cadillacs were purchased for use in this movie. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so here we're at this point where Les is fortunate enough to score a date with the bombshell. <laughs> the only obstacle he must overcome is his pending driver's license test. <laughs> So he can take his father's car to pick her up in. <laughs> so hence the line, an innocent girl, a harmless drive. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we'll soon find out to be true. <laughs> License to Drive is such a wonderful coming of age movie. It is. And even though Les scoring his dream date with Mercedes was a huge deal, that really wasn't the key issue, right? No. Like teenagers hook up all the time back then. Yes. 
but the true problem came when he was trying to juggle multiple things in order to impress his lady love. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> his issue all has to do with, you know, less borrowing his grandfather's antique and very off-limits Cadillac first and foremost, uh, a drunk date, <laughs> and two friends looking for their newly licensed friend to show them a wild night. <laughs> this scenario is so classically 80s, get her? It really is, Coop. <laughs> oh my goodness, the wild adventures contained within license to drive? really resonates with so many of us who saw that driver's license as one of our first steps toward freedom and maturity. Mm -hmm. Seeing all the possibilities before us for our good times. <laughs> Les just couldn't have predicted the kind of stuff that happens to him and his buds Dino and, um, <laughs> yeah, Dino was played by Corey Feldman and Charles played by Michael Manassieri. Quote, I'm so dead, they're going to have to bury me twice. <laughs> <laughs> Did that happen, Wes? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, License to Drive is a movie about taking chances. But since this film was done in the height of the 80s, you can probably figure out from beginning to end how the movie is going to go. <laughs> so as we've relayed, Les has a crush on his schoolmate, Mercedes Lane, Heather Graham. But here's a couple other angles added to Les's conundrum on top of everything else going on. <laughs> One, he's shy. And two, Mercedes actually has a boyfriend. Oh, oh okay. Paulo. <laughs> And played by M.A. Nichols, you know, and he also has a fancy car. That's another 80s thing. Yes. You had to, there had to be a distinction between the haves and the have-nots. And that was really strong in the junior high school oh, yeah. culture. Like, you knew if somebody had money or didn't. That was very real, so. Yeah. So, Paolo. <laughs> <laughs> he had made. He had it made. He's well off. I'm sorry. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> now we see that Les is up against the clock, especially in trying to steer his lady's affections away from her boyfriend. Les. <laughs> <laughs> Times a wasting. <laughs> He's got a strike now. So let's pick up on the events on how that Henri Les's eventually scored a date with Mercedes, shall we? Yes. We highlighted how Les fails the driving test, but is not brave enough to tell neither his father, Mr. Anderson, Richard Massour, nor his expectant mother, Mrs. Anderson, Carol Kane, or to his best friends, Dean, Corey Feldman, and the clumsy Charles, Michael Mancieri, that he's indeed failed his driver's test. <laughs> but it's here when things take a turn for the better in Les's good opinion. And that's when Mercedes has an argument with Paulo. Oh, okay. Yes, and she invites Les to date her to make Paulo jealous. Oh boy. <laughs> that's typical young lady shenanigans right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's dangerous. It can be. Yeah. Meanwhile, Les's parents discover that he has flunked his driver's test, and they ground him. You're grounded! <laughs> However, this is when Mercedes calls him, asking if they can go on a date. Over the moon and back over this amazing twist of events, Les sneaks away from his house 
and drives his grandfather's prized Cadillac that is parked in the garage in order to woo Mercedes in what becomes the beginning of a nightmarish evening of adventures. <laughs> <laughs> so we can readily see Les Erg, Corey Haim, jump into all this crazy in our mind's eye. Oh, totally. But would you be surprised to learn that someone else wanted to fulfill that starring role and license to drive besides Corey Haim? Uh-huh. Look at this. Fun fact. Did you know that Corey Feldman originally auditioned for the role as Les Anderson? Mm, interesting. Yeah. Feldman had said in interviews that his heart sank when he heard Haim beat him out for the lead one more time. Okay. So when this had already happened with like Lost Boys and Lucas and Murphy's romance. Oh, wow. Yeah, the two were best friends, but also fierce rivals. Just that right there, what you shared, Coop, you can see how that happens. Yeah. That happens a lot with young people. And these are two two comrades, two males, you know what I mean? Females, I mean, you know, girls. I mean, that's how it was back in the day. There was always yeah. your little snarky brats or whatever. Right. But, you know, sometimes it would happen with young young males, too. Um, that's kind of, that's, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's nice that they, they still cared enough about each other to, to to hang out and film together or whatever. Like, it wasn't it was kind of water under the bridge for the most part. Yeah. But that would, if that was a problem for Mr. Feldman, like, I'm, I'm glad he was able to rein it in. Yeah, and it's too bad that, you know, the parts, that they were so close in age that there probably were only so many parts to go around for that age group. Yes. So they would probably always auditioning for the same parts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know if there had been a lot more then maybe they wouldn't find each other on set and they would right. easily be able to be lead and it'd be okay but yeah you know <laughs> it gets vicious when you know you're pitted up against your buddy like that yeah and hollywood anyways cutthroat yeah it was then it is now oh yeah it probably always will be <laughs> yeah <laughs> That is very interesting, Coop. And, you know, it really, like we just explained, is not hard to believe. Both of the guys, you know, the two Corys, they were pretty talented. Mm -hmm. And together, they had good chemistry together whenever they embarked on projects together. Mm -hmm. But it's not a hard stretch of the imagination to learn that they that he may have felt a bit envious or jealous a time or ten. <laughs> it was quite a few movies there, so maybe ten. Maybe. Goodness, we've all had friends like this, you know, although well-meaning... Still may see or feel a hue of green when it comes to opportunity, experience, or adventure much like was described by Mr. Feldman himself. It's only human nature after all, but I think it's big of him to reflect on that here and there as he reflects on their parish friendship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially in hindsight, which we'll get to the meaning of that a little later. So interesting, but Les Anderson is Corey Haim. And Corey Feldman was nicely cast as, ironically enough, his crazy best friend, Dino. <laughs> you know what? He had a lot of screen time, too. He did. Being the best friend, like... He did. Uh, probably just as much. Yeah, it was a nice balance. Yeah. It worked for the movie. It really did. And subsequently, in another fun fact about one of our youthful cast members, the actress who played Mercedes Lane was played by Heather Graham which was her first substantial role in a theatrical feature, that being licensed to drive. Pretty cool, huh? It certainly is. The collective performances in this film are extremely good, with Haim doing a great job with the nerd role. 
that shyness and laid back style of his perfectly fits his character. And it's really the perfect mix for all the craziness that's going on in this movie. Then Feldman, to no shock, plays the wilder one and the two of them blending their styles makes it easy to see why they are so popular together. Uh, yes, hence they're being tagged, coined, and or were known as the two Corys at the peak of their, you know, their careers in the 1980s. Kind of like their little brand. <laughs> it was. And this is one of the better films to ever feature the two Corys. Yeah. So the ultimate shame is having your parents threatened and even, and then execute taking less to whenever he wants to hang out with his friends. So life can't possibly get any worse. Oh no. So not risking his reputation or level of cool amongst his hot prospective date or his buddies, his best buds, Olas takes his life into his own hands and boldly takes his grandfather's prized car to pick up the dreamy Mercedes. Less! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we have reiterated how that's that's the big deal of this. You know, his grandfather's prized car. He was gutsy. That's a teenage mistake, though. That is yeah. a classic teenage mistake. Yes. Like, your parents are dumb. Like, they're not going to figure this out. In your mind, they are dumb. <laughs> parents yeah. are dumb when you're this age. Yeah. And, and then you grow up and realize otherwise. This was a crazy strong theme back when we were coming up. Like, <laughs> we, we things were mosaic back then, but... We found trouble. Oh, yeah. We're Gen Xers, and Gen Xers were very creative at finding trouble and making <laughs> trouble. <laughs> so, yes, us. <laughs> like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. If this episode entertained you, please share it and spread the word. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your continued support. And now... Back to the show. So he picks her up and the night starts off okay. But Mercedes was enjoying some drink spirits as their evening pressed on. <laughs> Another thing teenagers do. Yup. <laughs> so they ended up at the romantic lover's lookout. But unfortunately, Mercedes gets drunk, and then she and Les accidentally cave in the hood of the car after her dancing on it. Oof, and it begins. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it begins. She passes out. Les panics and goes to his best friend Dino's house to have him fix the dent in the car's hood. Well, things only continue to escalate from here. Dean persuades Les to continue the joyride along with their friend Charles, but our unaware Les still doesn't have his license. <laughs> you know, predictably, the group embarks on a journey to a drag racing competition in Les's grandfather's Cadillac. Our three guys put Mercedes in the trunk of the car and continue their night on the town, causing even more damage to the Cadillac. <laughs> the next day, Les drops off Charles and Dean at their homes, Mercedes wakes up and believes that the night prior was a dream. And Les drops her off at her house where they, you know, they share a little smooch. <laughs> Les gets in trouble with his father, Robert, after returning home with the damaged Cadillac. Oy vey. 
Meanwhile, at the humble Anderson abode across town, Miss <laughs> Anderson wakes up her husband late in the night, announcing that she's in labor. You know, Coop, I have always had a soft spot for 80s film comedies that depict the life of true teenagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, most of which were John Hughes's movies. And we get into a lot of the, the semantics of that, um, of his work and stuff in, in that episode we dedicated to him. So, yeah. yeah, check out our Orchard Trek retro for John Hughes. I mean, that's pretty interesting stuff. Kind of a play on what this is. Yep, snapshot of that time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much of his work portrayed this fact so vividly. So, you know... So many other coming-of-age films dealing with real conflicts and turmoil that teenagers contend with consistently. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned John Hughes there, Kennard. Get this. Fun fact. Did you know that John Hughes was considered to direct this film? Really? Yeah. <laughs> he would have cast Anthony Michael Hall as Les Anderson <laughs> and Molly Ringwald as Mercedes Lane, no doubt. Are you? Oh, yeah. I'll get it. Yeah, let's roll with Anthony Kennard. about that and, and go into depth in regards to the nostalgic coming-of-age projects of John Hughes right here, you know, who retro truck with the caramel apples, as you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, but check out our episode that caramel deep dives into all that was sweetly remembered all throughout his life and career. You know, it is fascinating stuff. Yeah, that it is. Way cool caramelicious information you just shared there, Cooper. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> so back to License to Drive. Les and his friends are in hot water now with Les's parents, especially now that they need Grandpa's caddy to help get Mama Anderson to the hospital. Yeah, double quick. <laughs> Les's parents are played by the delightful Carol Kane as Les's mom, as you stated, Coop, and also the always solid Richard Masur as his flustered dad. Mrs. Anderson is still in labor, but since the car's transmission will not shift into drive, he is forced to drive his family to the hospital in reverse. <laughs> so 80s. She is taken into the hospital, but the situation continues to spiral downward when a crane falls outside and a falling steel girder crushes the Cadillac, much to the shock of Les and his father, Robert. <laughs> The family tries to explain the state of the Cadillac to Les's grandfather, but the twist is... Spoiler alert! <laughs> Grandpa laughs it off as he reveals he has severely damaged his son's own Audi, or BMW is one of those fancy cars, I don't know, yeah. in an accident. <laughs> Robert gives the Audi or BMW to Les and jokingly tells him to take good care of it. So this is true. In all fairness, the best credit must go to the incredible climax. It is here and now that Les gets his full chance to drive outrageously by the approval of his parents, <laughs> you know, winning the recognition which he dreamed of. 
achieving rescuing his mom and her baby in the nick of time. Yet that itself was done in one outrageous piece of cinema. <laughs> Again, this script is smart, smashing smart. Yeah. And at the end of this charming film, although Les thanks his father for the offer, he has changed his mind and doesn't want it. <laughs> that being his dad's car anymore. Mercedes pulls up in a white Volkswagen Golf Cabriolet. Very 80s right there. Oh, yeah. Um, and picks up Les who gets in the driver's seat and drives away with her. That Volkswagen Golf Cabriolet was so, so 80s fabulous. Yeah, we had to go back to that, because that was that showed up in a few of these teenage coming-of-age flicks. Oh, yeah. It was just so cool for the girl to have, you yeah. know? I mean, you really yeah. want to catch the boys guy there, but a girl driving it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these cute little numbers showed up in many teenage nostalgic offerings. I know this well because I love these cars back then. You did, didn't you, Coop? I did. Yeah, you legal eye on them. I, I did. <laughs> they were so cute. And I wanted one badly. <laughs> so, speaking of the perfectly packaged 80s ending, we now have the bow on that package in the form of the spot-on soundtrack licensed to drive sported. Oh, this is true, Cooper. Quite simply, if you are a fan of the 80s and or love your nostalgia, then this film is for you. Typical 80s groove, lingo, <laughs> music. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Some more of the shining details as we round out our Carmelicious discussion this week. The music chosen is a prime example for us to hear as well as observe the teen theme angst and adventure. License to Drive was pure classic. Classic. Yes. <laughs> perfect word. You know, the film is complemented by the great soundtrack featuring 80s greats like Billy Ocean. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Belinda Carlisle and many others. And as we've already highlighted, we had our eyes peeled for the great cameo from Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, who plays Les's driving instructor. <laughs> oh, yeah, we heard him a moment ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great tunes that suit the perfect mood. Yes. And, and Billy Ocean's Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car was a highlight, and with the title License to Drive was the ultimate song and film combo. Oh, yes. Can we say hand and glove? Oh, yeah. Slow standing <laughs> clap. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's even a couple Sinatra songs added for great effect, for which I'm a huge fan of. Cool. Yeah. The film's score by Jay Ferguson is good, light, and matches the film perfectly, adding a little extra appropriate spice. As we've said, the soundtrack is sensational, with songs by Billy Ocean. <laughs> you just mentioned, Coop, Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car. Uh, New Edition, the song Crucial. Frank Sinatra. That's life, strangers in the night. <laughs> Nia Peoples. Oh, there's an 80s flashback. Yeah. Her song, Trouble. And here's another one of Coop's favorite, In Excess. Uh -huh. <laughs> the song, uh, New Sensation. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. <laughs> That's what we say with the um, <laughs> Jazzy's in the house. That song part of the, the soundtrack. And then we got the uh, talented Belinda Carlisle, where she's singing, I Feel Free, and more. That is quite the list. Mm-hmm. And License to Drive just breezes along, and 
effortlessly pulls us into the adventures as we watch, you know, coming up with some irresistible gags. And suffice it to say that poor Caddy takes a lot of abuse before the movie is over. It does. Kennedy, it wouldn't be inaccurate to, you know, regard this movie as perhaps the ultimate teaming of the two Corys. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a career highlight for both. I'd even say it's their most memorable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least it's from... I see that from my perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mine as well, right? <laughs> yes. I own this one. You know, do you? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I explain. And I need to borrow. <laughs> Absolutely. She's like, no, not that. <laughs> Her house is the black hole. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like you when, when you really do enjoy something, you know, you kind of yeah. want to be able to just pop it in whenever. Yeah, streaming yeah. is nice and stuff, but you still got to rely on them to have it for you to stream it. So, That's right. you know, if you own it, it's in your house, you pop it in when you're ready. That is the greatest. Yeah. So Orchard Archivers, get your 80s fix watching license to drive. It's surely one of those retro gems. <laughs> <laughs> but the million dollar question is, how did it do at the box office? Well, you'd be happy to know that it earned a $22,433,275 million at the U.S. box office. That was to the penny. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Get some good research there. Yeah. And that was against a production budget of $8 million. Wow. So they profited big time. Yeah. Not too shabby. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> License to Drive is a movie that is from the very start outlandish. Takes the viewer on a wild journey that gets more insane and over the top with a relentless energy and never stops until the end. And that's all we, the viewing audience, asks for. It's to be genuinely entertained. Oh, certainly. <laughs> certainly. And this is definitely one we went and saw with our girl squad at the local cinema. <laughs> and we, we were thoroughly entertained. <laughs> we sure were. Oh, my goodness. Good times. Good times to be had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the questionable plot elements upon closer inspection are... Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Driving without license. Reckless driving, endangering motorists, teenage drinking, etc. And the fact our main character gets away with all of it, whilst destroying the Cadillac with no repercussions, is a testament to the state of cinema in the 80s. <laughs> and dare I say it, these very scenarios would offend some viewers in current times due to political correctness. Oh, yeah, here's another conundrum. Yes. To each his own, I guess. I do miss the times when things weren't taken so seriously, mm -hmm. lighthearted as we mentioned, but I admit there's probably a huge caveat to what I just said. So let's move on before we get into trouble. <laughs> yeah, and that list of the things that this movie was about, like, that was a teenage fodder, but like, how many of us you see in like the news feeds now and it's supposed to be mature adults doing this stuff? Okay, check. Next. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> but I do have to say, Coop, that movies with we youth at the time as the viewer were easily entertained all throughout and there was never a dull moment. Just light and airy fun to be had. Yep. Clocking it at under 90 minutes. It is very briskly paced to accurately reflect how overwhelming the seeming nonstop madness is for less. 
And we're speaking of scenarios from 35 some odd years ago. You know, back in the old days. Man, we sound old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) it seemed like you had to make things happen with your actual presence and an automobile. Mm -hmm, Yes. Homie needed some wheels to roll out on. (laughs) (laughs) License to Drive is a comedy from the 80s. Still very funny, as you shared, Kennard. After almost 35 years. <laughs> this is one of the best roles of Corey Haim in the top of his career immediately after the cult classic films Lost Boys and Lucas. And the theatrical debut of Heather Graham. Yeah, you know, the performances in the films are extremely good, with Haim doing a great job with the nerd role. That shyness, again, and laid-back style of his fits perfectly this character. And it's really the perfect mix for all of the craziness going on in that movie. Corey Feldman, again, to no shock, plays that wilder friend. And the two of them blending their styles makes it easy to see why they were so popular together. We just talked about this. Yeah. But giving the plot more thought, it really would be considered politically incorrect in current times. But fortunately for tried and true fans, it was not a problem in 1988. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on a sad note, Corey Haim died suddenly on March 10th, 2010 in Burbank, California of pneumonia. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. That is incredibly sad. Yeah. Corey Haim was a very hilarious actor with lots of charm. You know, it's really such a shame he passed away so young. Dying before 40 years of age is way too soon. Yeah. So now we've come to the end of our Orchard Trek retro episode this week. We've covered quite a few highlights about the film license to drive, some brief backstory on the retro legendary entity of what became known as the Two Corys, and we marveled and jammed to the music contained therein. Billy Ocean, we're looking at you. <laughs> what else have we to say about this fascinating retro gem? Well, that the comedy and laughs and license to drive are funny and memorable because the comedy has a wonderful balance of being simple one minute and being surreal and ridiculous the next (laughs) with some memorable characters and moments that are exaggerated playing out all while with dialogue that is witty and clever oh yeah the comedy and laughs are non-stop as well as most entertaining Getting a driver's license was like a high school dream come true. And this is what easily played out from moment one and License to Drive. True that, Coop. License to Drive is a movie about taking chances. But with this fun retro film having been done in the height of the 80s, an adrenaline rush was guaranteed. It is what we got. It delivered. Quite simply, if you are a fan of the 80s and or love your nostalgia then this is the film for you. Love what you heard on this week's episode? Well, the answer is simple. To tune into future treks into the Orchard Archives, meet up with us here next week. Same time, same place at the sweet spot. And it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a shining review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and explore more iconic memories. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,